Thank you, Mrs. Ruth. Thank you for being here today um, to represent your business. I'm excited to uh, to talk to you more. Um, you know, it's been really good. I, I did your podcast yesterday, um, so we're excited that about fun. that. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, you guys have a lot of structure. You guys have a, a you know a process, some science to uh, to what you guys are putting out there, content wise for people. So, um, thank you. How are you doing today? How's life? How's business? Business is great. I'm doing well. It's a gorgeous day outside. A little cooler than normal, but. It is. It'll get too hot in a, in a little bit, and we'll all start complaining about the heat. Yeah, for sure. I stood out there for a while, and I was like, "Man, the sun and the cold is better than the rain at any point." So, yep. the uh, yeah, we definitely got some rain earlier this week. Why don't you go ahead and introduce your business as well? All right, I'm I'm Ruth King, and Billy, thank you so much for having me on your show. I appreciate it very much. And my role in life is to help businesses with the tools and processes to get and stay profitable, build wealth and give back. That's my thing. And so a lot of it is through books, a lot of it is through training, a lot of it is through coaching or consulting, a lot of speaking and things that actually I can have the light bulbs go on with business owners and they go, I get it. And it's cool when they do. Yeah. One of the things that I think is so um, unique about you is that you really have a passion like you have a passion for business outside of business. You know, it's not just a passion for your business. It's a, it's a passion for business in general. So what are some of those tools that you are helping people get set up with that kind of set them up for success? It, a lot of it revolves around understanding what a balance sheet is and understanding what a profit and loss statement really and truly are. Once you understand those two things, then the rest of it, quite frankly, becomes pretty easy because you manage by financials. Uh, I have written five books. The last two were number one bestsellers on Amazon, um, Courage to be Profitable, and then the sequel that just came out is Profit or Wealth. And both of them are available. And they're both of them written in English. They're not written in accounting, you know, jargon or so to speak, or babble, whichever way you want to call it. And my goal with both of those books is so that you can read them because they're really little. They're thin. You can read them in two hours. But the key is not to read them. The key is to implement what right. we're talking about and what I'm talking about in each of those books. And if you do that, you can get and stay profitable in less than 30 minutes a month. And all of us waste 30 minutes a month. I mean, I'm sure you do. I know I do. And if you just took you know, 15 minutes twice a month or whatever, or 30 minutes a month after your financial statements come out, you're going to get a whole lot of um, eye-opening information about what's going on with your business and you'll be able to make really good business decisions based on hopefully very accurate data and if it's not you'll know it sure what is your motivation what motivates you to um, assist these business owners i love it when the light bulb goes on it gives me a great deal of satisfaction that people truly understand the financial side of their business and have it become fun for them and and probably most of your listeners and right now are like Financials and fun in the same sentence? No way. But as you get better and better and better at it, it becomes a game. Right. It really and truly does become a game. All right, where were we this month? Where were we last month? Are we better off than we were last month? You know, what do we need to do to get even better? You know, and it's fun after a while. And I know when you're first starting out and you're looking at them and they're like Greek and you go, I don't I don't get it, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you know, you probably did something harder. Um, you know, for example, you know, if you took up golf, or you took up tennis, or you took up a hobby. The first time you did, you played golf. I'm sure you were absolutely awful at it. 
Still awful at it. <laughs> Still awful at it right now. And I've played a lot. But you practice, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. So it's the same thing with financials. The first so, time you look at them, it's like, oh, my gosh, what is this stuff? But you look at it. Sure. You get a little homework. So you, you and I kind of initially connected on those terms of like, we both like to help people. Like yeah. I really get some motivation and some energy out of seeing one of the entrepreneurs that I really enjoy being around build something mm-hmm. like that. Just that idea of building something ground up, make it happen. And you finally get to go through that whole process and see that win is really, really exciting to me. What is your background and how, how did you kind of get into this space that you're in with consulting with businesses over these different um, things that keep you profitable? What, what is your background? How did you kind of get into that space? By accident, <laughs> literally by accident. I have um, a bachelor's and master's, master's in chemical engineering and had my first job in chemical engineering and absolutely hated it. So I went back to school and got my MBA in finance and loved the numbers. And that's where it started. It absolutely started there. Um, way back in the day in the early 80s, like 1981, I mean, I started the Small Business Development Center branch in Decatur, Georgia, in the old um, courthouse, if you know where that is, mm-hmm. if you've ever been there, you know, you walk down in the basement in there and it was um, when it rained, you had two inches of water on the floor. Mm-hmm. But um, that's where we started. And that's where I really started helping small business owners was back then. And I absolutely loved it. And then I worked on a project with um, YWCA and the Small Business Administration where we took, um, I think it was 65 women from September through May and taught them every Saturday morning all the steps to start a business. We, We lost about a third of them, but I thought that was good because they didn't have the heartaches of, you know, I want to do this and then spend all this money and time and have it. I don't like this anymore, you know, type thing. They really got a sense of what they had to do with the homework and everything like that. And I've worked with some other projects with SBA over the years of growing businesses. Um, But it's been absolutely a lot of fun to watch, you know, when the light bulb goes off, not off, light bulb goes on, sorry. (laughs) And you have a business owner who started a business with a partner for 750,000 where they bought it for 750 and they, um, walk out the door 16 years later with $9 million in cash. That's a, that's cool. That's really cool to me. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So what? How, how does that process go? What are some of those things that, you know, and, and everyone, especially in the sales thing, say it's all the little things that really make all of the difference. You know, it's, it's um, in baseball, you know, it's an extra hit like every three weeks that determines cut from the roster or Hall of Famer. You know, it's, it's very, you're splitting hairs as far as margin goes there. What are some of those things that you guys kind of hone in on as, as kind of KPIs for profitability? All right, we hone in on budgets and this sounds very boring, but it really and truly is the baseline. When we do budgets, um, we do the budgets not only for a year or a month or a quarter or whatever else of this, we do it for every single week. So we know what revenue has to be generated every week for the entire budget year. And you report every week. So we know when you're on budget, when you're not on budget, if we're not on budget for a week, 
I mean, stuff happens. Come on, let's be real. Sure. Um, but if you're not on budget for two weeks or three weeks, the warning signs are going, all right, what's going on here? Let's figure out where we need to go to make sure you can get back on budget. Because that's the key is understanding the budget, number one, and then understanding the pricing behind the budget um, and making sure that you're profitable on a net profit dollar basis, not a net profit percentage basis. Right. So, I mean, those are the two keys. And then it's just implementation in terms of making sure it gets done. And I, a lot of times I provide oversight to make sure that it does get done because if they know they have to report to me, they're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you inspire that level of accountability. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. I don't stay. I mean, I'm not going to waste your time, my time and your money. It's not right. going to happen. Right. I'm done with that. <laughs> I believe that. I believe you have to take a look at your own uh, profit loss statements at the end of the year, huh? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's exciting. What are um what are other, what are there other other motivations for you? How do you kind of impact with the community here? I know you're pretty close to us in Atlanta. So what, you know, what type of stuff are you using? You know, community based to grow your business or or kind of grow your brand? Are you doing anything local or or are you kind of more focused on being national? I am national more so than I am local. I have one client here in in Georgia, and I don't work with competing clients. That's just my rule. I mean, two competitors I don't work with because it's not fair uh, to them. You know, you're gonna work with one and then you're gonna do the same thing with somebody else who's close, it doesn't work. So I, I have a tendency to be very, very, very spread out. So got one here in Atlanta, I've got one in Augusta, I've got one in Athens. So you, you and I both know we're, you know, we're here. Um, and one in Athens and then um, just spread across the country is really where they all are, several in Tennessee, one in Alabama, um, Mississippi. I mean, it literally is kind of spread out. So I don't try to do a whole lot here because I don't look at it. Now you can buy books and, you know, do that kind of thing. I mean, obviously I'll, I'll do books and manuals wherever in the, in the country or in the city or whatever else it is. But in terms of doing a lot of local, I don't, I'm much more national. Sure. Sure. And what is your motivation for putting out the content through the books the way you have? All right. Can you imagine if every business in the world were profitable, what would happen? No, I can't imagine that, truly. <laughs> but think about it. Think if everybody were profitable and gave back what this world would look like. Doesn't somebody have to be losing money for somebody to be gaining money? Nope. If everybody was profitable, wouldn't we all just break even? Nope. Yeah. Really? Explain yeah. that logic to me. All right. So, does that sound logical? Right. Okay. He he agrees. It sounds that's logical. that's like saying money is a zero sum game. Some have to win. Some have to lose. I don't believe that. I really and truly don't believe that. Why? So, yeah. You know, if you if you price your products so that you make a profit, and your competition prices his or her products so that they make a profit. And you two are competing. You're competing at a level that both of you are profitable. Right. All right. So why does one have to win and one have to lose? I know, when you look at it on that small of a scale, it makes sense. But I just think about like if every business was spending X amount of dollars and every business was receiving X amount of dollars and every homeowner and consumer is receiving X amount of dollars and spending X amount of dollars how does anybody have, if everyone, how can everyone have more money than they had last month? You know? Go look at the economy. Well, we, print, we, we make more money. Where we were 
you know, in 1900. Oh, well, we make way more money. So that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. I mean, but you're talking about adjusting for inflation. I mean, with, with actual value. Well, how many business owners were there in 1900 versus how many business owners do we have now? Oh, way more. Yeah. Yeah. Exponentially absolutely. More. And there are many, many, many more profitable businesses now than there were in 1900. Sure. Now, if you want to talk about like the top one tenth of 1%, that hasn't changed. Sure. All right. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about somebody who is a business owner, somebody who is either doing it because they don't want to work for somebody else and they're really happy with their lifestyle. They're not going to look at profitability as being as important as cash flow. Sure. Cash flow to them is more important. They have to have profitable pricing, otherwise, cash flow goes down. But then, you know, you have that level of business, and then you have a level of business where people use it as a tool to accomplish something else. So they start their business because they want to provide a product and service and do really well for their customers and things like that. However, the business is a vehicle for them to pass it along to their kids, for example, or sell it to somebody else so that they can travel the world or they can teach or they can, you know, do what their real passion is. Um, and then you have what I call the, you know, the, um, the true entrepreneurs who are building multi-billion dollar businesses changing the world. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us fall into the, you know, lifestyle type business, which is fine. Or we fall into the what I call the tool type business, which we're using our business as a tool. You know, one of my clients um, started his business because his daughter is um, really good in um, volleyball, and she ended up being nationally ranked. And he was always able to go to every one of her games running the business. Now, you know, he didn't do it nine to five. He pro- he put in more hours than he would have, but they were more flexible hours than if he were working for somebody else. So that's why originally he started it. And now she is really interested in the business. So she may take it over, which was a, was a side benefit and not the reason for starting, obviously, because volleyball is not a career path for her, you know, sure. long term. Sure. So then let, let's take that scenario. Every business is profitable. Okay. What do you do then? Give back. Oh, yeah. How? Good answer. Okay, so um, I support a lot of um, things that I do. Um, there's a, a group called Kiva, which you may or may not have heard of. I don't that, think so. I don't think do you, I have. I don't think no, I have. you haven't heard of Kiva. Okay, Kiva is a micro lending organization that's worldwide. So they aggregate everything, and so I, I pay. You know, twenty five dollars will give somebody a cow in Indonesia or something like that. And they pay pay the loans back in micro pieces. So a loan payment might be 22 cents, but the cow produces more than 22 cents in profit so that they can pay the loan back. So I support a lot of that. There's also Grameen who does, does things like that. And then there's another group called Room to Read that um, was started by a guy who worked for Microsoft and he was on a trip to Nepal or someplace like that. And he found out that people weren't reading, they weren't doing anything. And really the education was not obviously really, really good at that point. So what he ended up doing was um, building libraries, but making, he would only build a library if the local people helped him build the library. Otherwise they wouldn't support it and things like that. So if a community wanted a library, then they found the resources, you know, for the materials and stuff like that. And somebody could help them with the labor 
but the community actually built the library. They, you know, they give them the books, they teach the women how to read, um, as well as the guys, the men, but um, it's getting a lot of it out of poverty. I mean, if you get down to the very basics, another one, which is water related, you know, if you as a woman do not have to go and walk six miles every day to get water and it's in your village, then all of a sudden you have all this free time. All right, so what do you do with the free time? You can build a business. Right. So, you know, those are the, and I do a lot of stuff with um, veterans and military too, because my husband was military. Do you ever interact with anyone on the business front internationally? Not really yet. Um, I'm in a, um, a um, networking mastermind group with 300 people worldwide. So, yes, I interact with them, but not from a business perspective yet. Right. Right. That makes sense. Have you released any of your content to any other countries, any of your books or anything? The first book, The Ugly Truth About Small Business, is in Chinese. Oh, wow. Also in Portuguese. Um, I forget where else it is. One of them's in Spanish. You know, it's, it's, it's getting there all over the place. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Isn't that a strange <laughs> yeah. feeling? It's really funny to look at your name and, you know, look at the name of the book in Chinese characters and then see where it's king. Right. Yeah, it, it's, it's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> That's cool, though. That's cool. Yeah. Who Do you have a publisher that helps you with your books as well? Yes, Morgan James. Oh, cool. My, cool. my publishing company. Yeah, I have a friend of mine also that's publishing stuff with um, Morgan James. What yeah. is that process like? Was that different than you expected it, or were you were you very prepared for that um, process as well? Um, my original publisher is Sourcebooks, who did the first two books. And I had a three-book contract with Source, and they decided to exit the small business market, so they released me from the contract, and that's how I found, found Morgan James. And probably ended the, up being a good thing. Huh? Probably ended up being a good thing. It's a different publisher. I mean, the, the focus is different. Morgan James is much more entrepreneurial. Right, right. Which is really what I like about them. They're creative. They, do, they help you do things that are out of the box, which is cool. Right. And you might not thought, have thought about some of those things. And as a result of it, you know, both of those books hit number one. So the other three didn't. Right. Does that tell you something? <laughs> It definitely does. That's very interesting, though. It seems that you've walked, you know, you, you have all of this experience that you leverage with small business and all this experience that you leverage within your life. You've been doing the same thing for so long. It seems, you know, consistency is key. Is that uh, one of the messages that you kind of translate for your business clients as well? Yeah, I do consistency. And then what's the end game? Right. Extra you have strategy. to know what the end game is to be consistent. Right. To reach it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Just redefining those goals, understanding what your goals are. Understanding what they are, it's not necessarily redefining them. Sure. sure. But, you know, let's assume that, you know, you started your business, you're growing into a certain level and you want out in five or 10 years. We put the plan together to get you out in five or 10 years and then we implement the plan. Sure. That type of thing. So yeah. it's, I've worked with very few business owners. I don't think I've worked with any who don't know where they're going. Because it doesn't work because we you'd head off in this direction. And I don't want to do that anymore. And you head off in this direction. That's a waste of time, effort, and energy. Sure. Never mind money. Do you feel that out. these entrepreneurs that you work with, they want you? I know that part of your process is kind of identifying those real entrepreneurs, those tool businesses, those lifestyle businesses. Do you feel that most of those 
business owners know which of those categories that they fall into when you kind of start the conversation? Once I explain it to them, yes. Okay. That makes right. sense. That yeah. makes sense. Because I think everybody thinks they're that entrepreneur until, until you boil it down. Yeah. I mean, I do not work with very light, very many lifestyle. No, I don't work with any lifestyle businesses one-on-one. A lot of them buy the books. A lot of them do the manuals and that type of thing because they are not focused on profitability. They're focused on cash flow. So they need two things. They need to be able to understand that their pricing is correct, watch their ma- their money, and have some sort of recurring revenue when things go you know, north, south, east, or west, like I, when COVID hit. I love how you boil it down. Yeah. I love how you boil it. You give me this sense of security of like, ah, oh, I can do it too. You know? You can. Yeah, I think absolutely. that's what people pay you for. They're like, oh, yeah. we can do it, but only with Ruth. Now you can do it with other people too. I'm not the only person out there. <laughs> How do people You're find right. you? Do you find the people or do people find you? In the beginning, there was more of me finding people. Now it's more people finding me. Most of my work comes now through referral. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's good. So existing clients referring you to new clients. And how? what is the average like lifespan of a client for you? Well, my oldest client is about to sell his business in a couple of weeks, and I've had him since 1987. All right. He's been a client since 1987. And uh, I had a lot who were clients in the 90s. The one who I told you about that, you know, started at 750,000 in revenue and walked out the door with $9 million in cash. That was a 16-year process that started in the 90s, ended in 2000 and something. Um, I have one client in the 90s left. Um, and I doubt that I'll, you know, I mean, we work really, really, really well together. And they're now, they have just put the um, processes and succession planning in place, which I don't do. Um, and third generation, third generation? Yeah, third generation is about to take over the business. Um, but I've been working with, you know, dad, the kid his kids now for since 1994, 95 or somewhere around there. So um, my, you know, I either have very short or very long relationships with my clients. Right. Right. uh, The short relationships are they don't want to do it or they don't do what I ask them to do or that, you know, something along those lines. And in those cases, it's better that we part company and they realize it's going to take a lot of work and they may or may not want to do it. And that's what happens. That's absolutely what happens. Sure. And then the ones who do it, we, you know, month after month after month after month, you know, we watch the businesses kind of go, which is really kind of fun. Mm-hmm. How, how did COVID affect you? How what? How did COVID affect you? Um, it affected, totally affected my speaking. There was none. Right. It totally affected um, for two months the ability to go see clients. Um, mo- a lot of the classes and speeches and stuff I put online. So there's a lot more online than there was before, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And so a lot of it um, pivoted from that perspective. When um, Alabama opened up in May, I had my I drove to Alabama not knowing what was going to happen at the border. To be perfectly frank, <laughs> I wasn't sure whether there was going to be a cop at the border going, "You can't come," or "Let's see," you know, whatever. So that was it. And then when Texas opened up in June and I could start flying again, I started flying. So I've been flying for about a year and watched the, you know, now it's back to quote unquote normal. 
it was kind of fun to fly for about a year with nobody on the airplanes. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause we just got off an airplane a couple of weeks ago. That was slam. Yeah. Everybody is like, I want to get out. I've been, you know, in my house for a year or I haven't been able to go anywhere for a year or, you know, something along those lines. And it's like, boom. yeah, the airplane traffic is back. Yeah. It's full. Every plane has been full. Every yeah. plane that I've been on has been full, but, um, Man, that's exciting. You you give me something to aspire to, some aspirations, because I've been in my business like, you know, four years and some change, approaching five years now. And uh, I'm trying to think, do I have anyone in my book of business that I have that level of rapport with that I'm going to see some generational business from? You know, it's uh, it's definitely something to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really fun when the kids take over because they may not have, you know, dad did it this way. I'll never do it this way. And, uh, you know, and it's like, then they get into it and they go, oh, now I see why dad did this. Or now I see why they did it this way. And a lot of the things they think are, I don't really want to use the word dumb or don't make sense. Once they get into it and they get into the details of it, they realize why it absolutely does make sense. And dad was a lot smarter than they thought he was. <laughs> Sure. Well, the, the uh, you know my wise boss once told me I, I signed up a guy that they I went to and it's like a huge basically like this huge metal barn. It's got some bays on the side of it, and you would think that these guys were just your regular old you know automotive guys. And what they do is like roadside tractor trailer repair. So they actually dispatch a bunch of guys all throughout the southeast to go uh-huh. fix tractor trailers that break down on the side of the road. Do millions of dollars a year in revenue. Millions. Oh yeah, I'm sure. My wise boss once told me he said somebody's generating that level of business. They're usually pretty sharp. Yeah. And I was like, yes. And he was they're very not in sharp. a um, intensely competitive environment. Mm-mm. They found a way that they could do something that was um, niche oriented, very valuable to that niche, and that niche was also willing to pay. That's what they found. For sure. For yeah. sure. And we provided a huge service to them too because they, um, you know, like trucks come from anywhere. You, you get somebody in Minnesota that comes there, you fix their truck, and they drive back home and something happens. Chargebacks happen a lot in that. You know, it's yeah. securing your money, keeping it safe, winning those chargebacks. That's, that's really where we help those guys out. And they're awesome people. But, you know, there's just so many different things that you can learn from business owners about so many different aspects of your life and so many different ways that you can grow is like, you know, like what I've been, like I said, I've been doing this for four years and some change and we've only been doing the podcast in this fashion for like, a, you know, six months, maybe, I guess, whatever you would call it. Tristan's worked here for like three months. So we've really only been good at it for since he's been here. So the, um, uh, I have all of these years of firsthand experience with a bunch of business owners, some of them really good, some of them really bad, all experience, vital. You know what I mean? There, there's so much, uh, there's such a wealth of knowledge in the business community. You know, there, there's such oh, yeah. a wealth of knowledge. And you especially. You have all of that acumen experience that we have. You know, it's you get, uh, you know, there, there are a bunch of those businesses out there that just because you can bake a cupcake doesn't mean you should make a baker. But if you can bake a cupcake and pay Ruth and you might make it. Well, if you can bake a cupcake for a specific niche, right. And make yourself stand out amongst all the other cupcakes that are out there. I mean, let's take, I mean, look what Starbucks did. They elevated the, you know, 50 cent coffee to an experience. 
Right. If you can elevate eating a cupcake to an experience, you're going to do really, really, really well. Right. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, Starbucks is actually a cool um, story as well, just because of the space that they were in. Just because yeah. being up there in Washington, like it's it's different. It's different than what we're used to in Atlanta, you know, and they built um, an experience in a place that needed some experiences. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, um, Howard Schultz basically, you know, was in Italy and he saw what they were doing mm-hmm. and he took it and um, bought the business from the guys he was working with and look what he's done with it. You know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of musicians got in really early on their, their offer. A lot of, a lot of musicians mm-hmm. got like David Grohl, the front man for the Foo Fighters. that was the drummer for Nirvana. Kenny he, uh, G. Yeah, he got, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. A bunch of them got in on it really early. What a good one to get in early on, huh? Yeah. A good one. You just never know, though. You know, right. they took a chance. Yeah. Now everybody's buying do- Dogecoin. <laughs> uh, well, tell people, um, in case we have anyone in our network or our listenership that wants to talk to you, I'm sure there are definitely some people that, that, that need some pointers. Um, how do people find you? How can they get in contact with you? I mean, my website is ruthking.info, so it's really easy. Um there and everything that I do is actually on that website. So all the different videos and all the different books and all the different training manuals and stuff are there. They have a question, please call me. I love talking to people and, and, you know, helping you. And so the number here is 770-729-8000, or you can send me an email, which is rking, R-K-I-N-G at ontheribbon.com. Right. Happy to talk to anybody. Cool. Well, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time so much. Um, it's very valuable. Well, I appreciate um, Billy, and thank you for having me, and hopefully I helped your audience. Yeah, you definitely did. You definitely helped me and Tristan. We learned something. So um, oh, cool. thank you so much. I look forward to uh, getting this out to the world, and then uh, we'll touch base again soon. Thanks, Billy. Yes, I look forward to it. Yes, ma'am. You have a good rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye.